Everybody, welcome to the Safe House Podcast. How is everybody this evening? Yeah, good, good, good to be with y'all today. I am Mitchell Harper, and with me as always is the esteemed pastor of Clare United Methodist Church, the Reverend Dr. <laughs> Charles W. Ferguson. Hey, what's cracking? <laughs> How's it going? How's it? How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was cool, and you know, ate enough. You know, we we did enough on Thanksgiving. Got to sit down for a minute and everything like that. So you know, can't complain about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is cool. You know, just glad to be back up and moving on here with all of you tonight. So this is awesome, Indeed. as always. So glad to be back with you and everything like that. So. Let's get it moving. Let's do it. So, uh, yeah, I feel like personally, I feel like I slacked on my leftovers this year, but that's wow. Yeah, <laughs> disappointed in myself a little bit, but uh, but we're here now. <laughs> we're here now. We we didn't meet last week, so uh, it's good to be back with everybody. And um, we want to do something maybe a little different today, right? So uh, why don't you uh, why don't you let us know how we how we're going to sort of approach today, Pastor Ferguson? All right, so. As always, before we even get to that, remember, if you are online with us, first of all, thank you for being online with us. We're in episode number seven. This is awesome. We still have not been told to run off and do anything yet. Um, if you're online, share, 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 share. That's the best thing about life. You can do stuff in an instant. Pick up your phone, get on your tablet, on your computer, share this live portion um, if you are watching on replay, my goodness, share because somebody needs to hear what has to be said on tonight. And as always, use your mind and your heart in the chat. We love to see what you got to say, what's on your mind, things like that. So your questions, your thoughts, all that come into the chat with it because we're going to be interactive in this space. And of course, we need to pray before we begin. So let's look to the Lord. God, as we come. We simply say thank you for allowing us to be in the space in person, online. There's no space or time in the spirit, so we thank you for this. And sometimes, Lord, we don't even realize how much we need the moments. So we thank you for the moments that we have to share. Guide us as we come together. Speak to us as we come into this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tonight... We are beginning at least one of maybe at least two to three to who knows how many um, opportunities to kind of deal with some other subject matter. I know the last six weeks we've been kind of going back to the sermon on Sunday and kind of unpacking those things. But um, if I'm honest, um, it's just been over the last few weeks that I've been observing within the congregation and I'll even throw myself in there in my own life, lives of others. Um, there is a reality of serving God that we don't talk about. Mm. We don't talk about it enough. Um, I think that we talk about serving God, being sacrificial, being, um, trying to be, um, good disciples and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we don't know how to deal with ourselves when it comes to 
serving God and dealing with some real hard things because I don't know anyone, even the holiest of holy, (laughs) and I use that term loosely, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a moment with God where you ask the question, why am I in this? Hmm. And sometimes we have to deal with it a little bit. We've had a lot of good things happen. We've been blessed in this church. We've been blessed to see a lot of things occur. And sometimes we don't know how to deal with the highs and the lows. So I want to deal with this reality of serving God. So tonight we're going to deal with wrestling with isolation. And if you were with us on Sunday, um, you heard that the scripture sectioning that I want to deal with is in 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse number 20. And tonight we'll end up at chapter 19, verse 4. So let's try to set the table a little bit for this kind of section of scripture because there's no way in the world I'm going to read about. <laughs> it's a lot more than it, sa- than it sounds like it should yeah, be. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole lot of... <laughs> A whole lot of words, and I've been in the middle of typing a lot of papers and stuff like that. I don't want to read a lot of words per se, but I want to set the table for a second, and we'll just and we'll go to certain points, certain places. Yeah. So we got this prophet Elijah, and Elijah been chosen by God to speak into the lives of the people, tell them what God wants them to know, understand. Tell them you need to get your act together. Um, And he's doing this during the reign of Ahab. But we don't really talk too much about Ahab. Really talk about his wife, the queen, Jezebel. Yeah. Um, and, and, and And just for the record, just for the record, because, you know, a lot of times we use names and people and all this stuff and we just use them in the wrong way we so, would never we would never do anything like that you know i done heard women call the women jezebels and all that stuff they called them jezebels not because they were like jezebel actually but because of their dress and all this other kind of stuff you know can we normalize in 2023 and going forward not Labeling folk without knowing where the stuff comes from. Ooh. Hey, can we can we normalize that? Ooh, you hey. gonna destabilize an entire yeah? <laughs> entire why not? Look, why not? Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, can we can we normalize that for a second? Jezebel's issue was that she had a big mouth, and that she was she wasn't feisty. She was always ready to fight, take control of everything, all that kind of stuff. That that's Jezebel. She had she had an issue, right? She she had to have everything her way. That's Jezebel. So stop talking about how folk look. That ain't being a Jezebel, okay? Read your Bible for real. That ain't there. Okay, lot, let me come. Let a me lot come. of people who don't think that they could be a Jezebel for one reason or another are the ones who are perpetuating a lot of that Jezebel-like behavior. Yeah, so. we know, and we. 
And we and we know, and since we still here, <laughs> since we still here, we know a bunch of Jezebels that have been in the church all of our lives, and they actually looked they actually looked extremely holy. Mm. They had a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. But that that's neither here nor there. Let me stay on tap. That's right. <laughs> so, in the selected text, the issue is that you have. Jezebel, Ahab, got all these different prophets of Baal. And in the nation, Baal is starting to get more pressed than God. Elijah says, well, I don't know why you keep on serving this false God because there's only one true and living God. And so, you know, like anything else in the Bible, you always got to set up a challenge. <laughs> like, let's, go, let's go outside and see whose God is real. Mm -hmm. So they go up two different places, two high places. 450 prophets of Baal go into one spot. Elijah says, hey, go ahead and call on your God. Let's see what happens. You know, let's, let, let's, let's, let's see what happens, okay? We're going to place these sacrifices down. We're going to cut up the sacrifices. And then we're going to see... Who answers? Not just who answers, but who answers by fire. Fire. <laughs> so they get their stuff set up. And you got those 450 prophets. They calling on bail. They calling and calling and calling. <sighs> it was looking like a Sunday morning in some churches. They were calling. <laughs> they were calling, calling on bail. I mean, oh, you know, they was calling. And Elijah's sitting there looking at him, mocking him a little bit. Just a little bit. Basically saying, I wonder if your boy is deaf. Come on, shout a little louder. I heard one translation that was like, is your God currently in the restroom? Is that why he's, he's too busy in the bathroom to hear you? <laughs> First of all, I want to see what that restroom's like. Ugh. I want to see what a God's restroom is like. Mm. And that's the first thing. If you're gonna say anything, that 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 gotta be immaculate. I mean, my goodness. Somebody's gotta never mind. Anyway. Never mind. So Elijah done mocked and done all this stuff. Hours have gone by. Nothing's happened. Then we get to verse 30. And out of the English translation, English standard, it says this. And Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Mm. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as wood contain two seers of seed. And he put in wood in order, in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, now this is the odd part. <laughs> Fill four jars with water and pour it 
on the burnt offering and on the wood. I ain't never built no fire. I was about to say he's not good at this. Yeah. I ain't I, <laughs> y'all can y'all can correct me, but I ain't never built a fire starting with wet product. Nah. Not and especially with wet wood. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was about friction and everything else and these spark. So, okay. And he said, do it a second time. <laughs> and he said, do it a third time. <laughs> that's a lot of water. Yeah, that's a lot of water. In the middle of a drought, mind you. Say that again. In the middle of a drought. So, number one, he's wetting everything. <laughs> Two, he's using a resource that is scarce. Water is scarce in a drought. And he's telling them to wet this stuff three times. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. <laughs> and at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. That's some some bad business. But let's break this down. Let's do it. Elijah, as a prophet, had to give a word saying that the people needed to come back to God. That's the word that's out. But then he has to be in a position to demonstrate the power of God versus the alternative. Mm -hmm. Let's say it like that. He He was positioned to be an instrument to demonstrate the power of God against the alternative. And once God showed up, he then was an instrument to demonstrate the weakness of the alternative. Now, we can talk about the fact that he told people to seize those 450 prophets and slaughter them, and that it is kind of problematic to have that in the space because why you need to kill all 450 after God has already proven that he's God. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we we don't say enough about the fact that there are some things in the Bible that even for us can be problematic. 
However, <laughs> the fact still remains God showed up in the way only God can. And on top of that, Elijah was in the midst of it. This, in essence, was a victory. Hmm. But why are we talking about isolation? We're talking about isolation because sometimes when you sometimes when you are serving God, no matter if you're in a group setting, if you're in a church setting, if you're in a life setting, there are moments when you feel by yourself. Whether it is real, imagined, or just your feeling on it, there are moments where you just feel by yourself. And if I'm going up against 450 prophets, mm-hmm. and I know I am the prophet of God, and it's just me and God, yes, me and God are enough, but let's get honest. Though me and God are enough, I'm still a human being, and I don't know how to deal with that isolation always. You talk about isolation and how how you use isolation in your relationship with God. How easy is it to, when you're feeling in that moment of isolation, to feel like that means that God isn't with you? Like, how how hard is it? to discern or or what does it look like in trying to discern is this isolation that is maybe a result of me going the wrong way or is this isolation as a result of me being faithful to what God is calling me to do let's consider for a minute let's consider for a minute the fact that Elijah is doing all these different things in the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. and for the purposes of setting up the platform that people need to see that God is at work again. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's what's happening in this part. We haven't gone any further yet. So even though there may have been others that could have gone with him, because you even studied this part, there were others that he had in mind to go with him, but they didn't want to go. For various reasons, they didn't want to go. There are, let me say it this way. When God gives you an assignment, there may be a whole lot of people that support you, but they don't always go with you. Hmm. Hmm. So, so in this part, the isolation is not by choice. Yeah. It is by circumstance. Because there could have been others with them, but they chose not to go. Yeah. So it's me and God. God, I need you to show up. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna allow my confidence to be based upon knowing your ability. Think about this. He is he is mocking 450 people. Yeah. That's what the text said. Mm-hmm. He mocked them. Where is your God? Is he deaf? Is he in the bathroom? Maybe he's busy. Yeah. He's busy. <laughs> you don't mock 
somebody unless you are that confident in your stuff. Furthermore, after mocking them, he sets up his own sacrifice, builds the altar, puts a whole trench around the altar, and saturates the sacrifice. So he's putting a whole lot on it. He's got a flair for the dramatic. yeah. Right. He's putting a whole lot on it. Now, we know the result because we're reading it. But imagine being a person watching this man do everything that is countercultural to setting a fire. Well, and, and the only reason he's doing it in that moment is because in that space, it is him and it's God. And apparently, he's going all in. Yeah. Even if he's going alone, he's going all in, and he's going to an extreme. And then God shows up in an extreme way. Because it said it, he burned up the sacrifice, the rocks. I'll be honest, I ain't never seen a rock burn. <laughs> it's a hot fire. I mean, can, can we be honest? I have never seen, I know it's possible, but I have never seen a rock burn. It said it burned up the sacrifice, the rocks, and it licked up the water. That's heat. Yeah. That's extreme. So he went to one extreme and God went to, I, I guess you could say, the same level of extreme. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, he had to go all in. He had no other alternative in that space. So I don't know if it's a matter of if he's going if he was discerning if he was going in the wrong direction. He had no other alternative. Yeah. So he either had to go all in or he was just out. And he just went ahead and just said, hey, well, if I'm gonna go, let me just go all the way. Let me go all the way. And 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 sometimes that's and sometimes that's good for us, but as we, we're gonna see it does some other things for us too. But I you got some things on your mind no, too. No, yeah, I, I mean I just wanted to talk about sort of the context of the fact that like Elijah feels this this solitude, this isolation. Um but like th there's a good reason for that. Like like Ahab and Jezebel are having the prophets of the Lord killed. So so the fact that he's just out and about at all Mm -hmm. is a little bit of a there's some audacity there i mean like he's he's not willing to just hide in the midst of what is happening to the people that that are doing the same work that he is doing and so i think i don't like for me it, that's one of those things where like we we always talk about the fact of like sometimes you're you're out here and it feels like you're just getting pelted with stuff and people are just coming at you for what feels like no reason. Um, and the determination, I think, to stay strong in that when he feels like he's by himself, mm -hmm. I think spoke to me personally just because it just doesn't always feel like that's an option. <laughs> like it, it feels like, you know, like... It's just, it's, just, it's not going to go your way either way. So right, and so I know one of our online, one of our online members 
is saying is suggesting that she's a little lost. So let me, so sis, let me help you out a little bit. When we're bringing up isolation, we're not bringing it up as a as a word that is clear in the text. Mm-hmm. We're bringing it up as a concept of what it means to be in an isolated position. So I want to I want to make that clear. When you when you look at a 450 to 1 battle there's a certain level of isolation to that. I am wait, I am the only one. <laughs> yeah. That is standing on the truth of the God that I serve is God. <laughs> That is an isolated moment, so I want to I want to be I want to be clear mm-hmm. because and thank you for for bringing that up because nobody should feel lost when we're talking about scripture in any way. So he's isolated because he's the only one that believes that God is going to come through. He's the only one that is not trying to move in the direction of Baal and all that comes with that. So there's that isolation. But we also have to remember. We also had to. We also have to remember that part of the reason for the drought is because of the way that Israel started moving in that direction. Right. Yeah. That's where I was hoping we were going to go. Yeah. And so there's a there's a there's a connection between the drought that they are in and the way in which they were moving when it came to God. So let's go a little further for a second. We go into 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and he looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew back black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Imagine what happens when you turn yourself back to God. Mm. Yeah, because so so Elijah's issue with the people was that they were what claiming to be children of the Lord, but were worshiping Baal. Is that is that essentially how we got to this point? It would be okay because you know it's that whole, and I think we talked about it beforehand. It's the whole Laodicea mentality. In, in Revelation, Church of Laodicea, God said, I wish you were hot or cold. I, I wish mm-hmm. 
I, I wish that you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's saying, he's like, you can serve Baal, but either do that and don't claim God mm -hmm. or serve God and don't be out here <laughs> farting around with Baal. And let's be real. We have those moments because we, we, we're, We'll say we love the Lord and all that comes with the Lord, but don't take this from me, that from me. Don't, don't make me choose the Lord over X, Y, and Z. Don't, 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 don't make me do that. And, and the funny part is I'm in the middle of a drought, and the only one that can bring me out of the drought is the one that created everything. But I still want to hold on to the one that I probably fabricated in my own mind. What kind of sense does that make? Yeah. But but that's what people do. But that's what people do. They will put all their effort into something that they've created over the one that created everything. Mm -hmm. And you can look around and it's like, okay, I've done everything that I could possibly do to change this condition, and it ain't changed. So, and may maybe this is a bit off topic, but mm -hmm. <laughs> hear me out. Of course, I'm gonna hear you out, man. <laughs> what What does it look like taking taking a step from being those people of Israel who are being very wishy washy to moving toward being more like an Elijah who is confident in his ability to call on the Lord and have the Lord do what needs to be done? Because a lot of times it does feel like like I know. I know that I serve the Lord. I know that I love the Lord, but I know that I got little bales in my life that are keeping me sometimes from being as all in as I should be. Mm -hmm. So what does that, how, how do you intentionally make those moves when you know that you're not doing what you're supposed to do? It's a, it's a decision to have relationship. This seems like this seems like the most redundant thing I've said in 2023. Three elements to church. Church culture, organization of the church, the organism, the church. The organism is the vehicle. The organization is the vehicle. But what drives that vehicle is either church culture or the organism being the church. Either the living thing or the created thing. Okay. The created thing can be considered to be religious activity. But the living thing is how God works within us in relationship. Relationships are real. Practices can just be standard things that you do out of routine. Coming to, coming to the church house on Sunday is a routine. But worshiping God in the space is a relational act. That was a bar. Yeah. And I'm like half sleep. That was a bar. <laughs> That's when the best ones come out. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> coming to the church house is an activity that you do regularly. But worshiping in the the church house is an act of relationship. 
serving food to those that are food insecure is an act of meeting a need. Doing it, be doing it because you want to eliminate the need is birthed out of relationship. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? For caring about the person who's that's going right. Through. That's yeah. a relational act. Standing up for what is right is a decision that one can make, is a decision that one can make because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But actually standing up for what is right and going against those things that would try to alter the right thing, that's a relational act. Social justice is not just, for instance, Mm -hmm. social justice is not just a protest. It's not just showing up to a protest. It is organizing your community to see greater. To create change, yeah. That is a relational act. Mm -hmm. Going to vote about prison reform Mm -hmm is cool, but visiting the prison and seeing the people behind bars and making sure that those that are behind bars actually are rehabilitated and not caught up in a system to return, that is a relational act. Mm -hmm. You see the difference? I do. I uh, I don't I don't want to stop your momentum. No, no, no. But I, I want to check in to make sure. Yeah, go ahead. Because we yeah. haven't we haven't necessarily checked in. So if anybody is anybody lost, does anybody have questions? Uh, does anybody have anything they want to share based on what they've heard so far? Um, anything like that. I want to make sure that we understand that the floor is open to do things like that as we go along. So okay, I gotta. I got a um, comment that comes from our um, YouTube. Okay. Um, those that are on YouTube. What does it mean to be lukewarm as a Christian? <laughs> and if I expose who just asked the question, <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the per- you know you know who asked the question, don't you? What does it mean to be lukewarm as a Christian? Well, it depends. It depends. <laughs> Good answer. Um, let me, and of course, and of course, people want to hear my voice in stereo. Cool. Um, here's the, here's the interesting, here's the interesting way I'll go with this because I just quoted this person, um, earlier today or maybe yesterday. Chris Rock said in a stand-up special (laughs) that you have to be crazy to think that you're just one thing. Hmm. He said everybody, people want to say that they're conservative or they're liberal. And he said, and it was in a funny way, but let's 
extract the funny from it and take the statement. He said, there are some things I'm conservative about and there's some things I'm liberal about. Mm. In essence, that could be considered a lukewarm position. Sure. I don't want to touch and just come all the way out on a thing. Some people would say, and since we're already here, some would say that in the United Methodist Church, the UMC is lukewarm. Mm. Some would say it, but but I would I would contend that as a denomination, as an organization, UMC is not lukewarm. I actually got things that are on paper and documentation that are pretty clear. The problem is most people don't know what's on the books. Amen. <laughs> and don't care. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff that's in black and white that can, that can address a whole lot of controversy, but a lot of people only wanted to read it the way they wanted to read it. Being lukewarm is knowing good and well that somebody is hungry and speaking to the fact that hunger is bad. <laughs> yeah. And saying that hunger insecurity is an issue, but never once attempting in any way to address the actual issue. It's kind of the it's kind of the difference between a doctor of ministry degree and a PhD. Most people don't know the difference. Let me help y'all out. Yes, I have a doctorate, but all doctorates are not created equal. A doctor of ministry degree is known is known as a practitioner doctorate. And that means that you are creating a methodology that can be used in a practical way within the context in which you serve. But a PhD mm -hmm. is where you are literally creating another avenue of study and another avenue of theory on a subject matter based upon research on other theories that have been created prior to you. Now, depending upon who you think is more important, <laughs> some people think the theory is more important than the practice. Mm. If you're an intellectual, you think the theory is more than the practical. If you actually wanna make change, you're gonna lean towards being practical more than theoretical. But the church has a whole lot of congregations that are PhDs and not practical doctors. Did y'all catch that? Let me say before anybody takes it out of context, I am not having a fight about intellectual degrees and all that. 
It's too late. We've already taken it out of context. It's yeah, too late. It's I know. Too late. I got friends that are PhDs, and I envy them because I am a nerd, and I like dealing with theory. Mm -hmm. But I also live in a world that people need something that's what? Practical. Yeah. You see what I mean? So when you're lukewarm, you are theoretical, but you never want to be practical. That's the best way to put it. You, can, you know what's right, but you'll never put your hands to making it happen. And that and that can't be us. Like that that can't be us. That's not what we're called to do. Is is we assemble to to strategize in order to go forth. Ain't that ain't that interesting? Yeah. Some people be like, well, where's that in scripture? Think about it. Doggone disciples said we can't preach, teach, and wait tables. The pract most practical thing we can do is find a way for us to handle this part right. so that this other part can be handled by those that are more readily available to manage what we can no longer manage. Ain't that interesting? And the funny thing about it is they knew how to do it, but they recognized they could do it no more because their assignment changed. Yeah. Wow. So here we are, a bunch of, I, I don't know, 2024, it may be a sermon. <laughs> it might be. But we have to become, we have to become individuals that are not, wait, don't just, you know, wait, don't just be, it's like, don't just be believers in the word or doers, or just don't be doers only. You got to do it all. It's, it's got to be a whole thing. You, you can't just do and then it not apply, and you can't just think it and not do it. You got to put it together. Mm -hmm. It's got to happen. So we have, we have believers that will come to church faithfully. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Yeah, show up every Sunday you can. Be online every Sunday you can. Be engaged every Sunday you can. But the, but the issue is, what do you do with this after you go? After, after you done got all this, what do you do with it? And so? Well, that's sort of what we see here, right? Like Elijah having to prove to the people, like he, it, there's no rain, there's no this, that, and the third. But, like, I, I have to now remind you of what your God is capable of because y'all feel the need. It seems more practical to go over here to these other gods. And so now he's fighting against not just the fact that the king is trying to kill the other prophets, but the people themselves are not willing to live into this promise other than by seeing Things like this, things where things are catching on fire, <laughs> you know, all of these dramatic ways when like, like you said, we're just trying to be in relationship, but as soon as it gets boring, y'all decide y'all want to be looking over here because God's not maybe, you know, exciting you the way that he was exciting you before. He's not doing what he, what you think he should be doing. 
and all these things. So Elijah's almost having to fight against both of these things where it's the, the powerful and the proletariat almost just mm-hmm. coming against him. So I'm sure that does feel very isolating. That feels like I'm just trying to do what I know I'm supposed to do. Right. <laughs> and now, and now we're about to tie, I'm about to tie two or three things in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Watch this. So sister Robin, I see your question and I'm going to tie your question with the, with the latter part of the scripture that we haven't reached yet and some of what we've touched. The question she has is, how do you know when you have a good relationship with God? Now, let's tie this up. Yeah, Let's start tying this together. Elijah has, Elijah has functioned under the auspices of the power of God. Standing on, this is who God is, dot, dot, dot. Go out, look out to the sea. What do you see? I see nothing. Go out seven times until you see something. I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. Well, then tell the king, get down from where he is and get to the city. It's about to come down. And floodgates about to open. Everything about to open up, right? Elijah is doing everything God has said. Elijah has been under the pressure of Prophets being killed, been under the pressure of people not going with him, been under the pressure of waiting on God to show up every time. And whether people want to admit it or not, waiting on God when you know God can is a pressure-filled moment. Yeah. God, I know you can, and I'm trusting, but I'm still here waiting. That ain't easy, mm-hmm. and I'm sick and tired of being around all these so-called saints that say it is. No, it isn't. Man, and it's coming down to the wire? When, when you coming through? I know that you are, but when? Because it's getting late. I trust you, but everybody else is getting a little antsy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now that you have dealt with all of this, Hear the word of God in chapter 19. Mm. And, the, and the answer to your question, Sister Robin, is going to sound a little odd initially, but that's why we have a few more weeks to deal with this. You want me to read the first four verses? Go ahead and read them, because people are not going to believe what I'm going to say after you read them. This is chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. We just going to stop right there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got to leave a cliffhanger. <laughs> now, y'all going to think I'm crazy, and I want you to. 
You know you have a good relationship with God when you can tell God the honest stuff. Not the churchy stuff. Mm -hmm. The honest stuff. God, I've had enough. It's enough. Can't, can't take it no more. I'm no better than my fathers. I'm no better than my ancestors. Take my life. Now, people would say, and I've heard it said this way, that the only person that could threaten Elijah was Jezebel. And it was Jezebel who, who Elijah feared the most. But I've read this text a few more times now. I don't believe he was afraid of Jezebel. Mm. I'm changing my position. I used to think that like a lot of people. I'm going to change my position live and in living color. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Right. The, because we grow in grace. And if you don't grow, you don't realize that sometimes when you get a different revelation, you can change your mind. Elijah, I don't take Elijah as being afraid of Jezebel. I believe now that the threat lobbied by Jezebel was the last straw when it came to his emotions his mental state and serving God in that pressure moment. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we as the church have to get real honest. Some things have nothing to do with where the message comes from. There are just some things that hit you at a certain time. That's just a step too far. And you find yourself under a broom tree. And you just wore out. <laughs> Ready to quit. And 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 this is and this is why and this is why I need not just those that are in the space, those that are online. And I pray that if you're connected to this in any way that you begin to let this be a message that bleeds with that bleeds through the church in its own way. I'll speak specifically to Claire. We have had victory after victory after victory after victory after victory in this church. Hmm. And I can tell and I can tell it all, okay? I can tell it all. If I wanted to be like some of these preachers that I know, I would have been bragging about it all year long. We didn't had more victories than defeats up in this mug. Actually, as a matter of fact, I don't even think that we have taken, as we would call it, a significant L in this church all year. There have been no significant setbacks that have happened in this church in 12 months. There are things that happen, but I'm talking about like stuff that's just stopped us from doing what we've been purposed to do. There has been nothing in this year that has stopped us from fulfilling our purpose and task as the church this year. And I'm grateful to God for that. Yeah, amen. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, I am. I, I every pastor can't say that. Every church can't say that. But there's another side to it that I think is part of the reason why this study and this subject matter comes. You can have a million victories and still feel defeated sometimes. And people be like, well, how is that possible? We got the blueprint. Sometimes there's one thing that can happen after all the victory, after all the energy put out, after all the stuff that you have had to give out to show the world where you stand with God, that all it takes is one more. And no, and, and this is why I want, I want believers to start telling the truth. I want believers to start telling the truth. Sometimes there's just that one thing, and it's not because you can't deal with it. You ju you're just tired of dealing with it altogether. Yeah. Well, that's why that question, uh, how do you know you have a good relationship with, that's why it's so hard to answer, right? Because you can have this moment, and then next thing you know, somebody's trying to kill you when you think you're just minding your own business. Like, how do I? How like, I, what else? How, else? how else am I supposed to interpret that <laughs> other than I done, I done done something wrong? Yeah. I mean, and this is, and this is why, and this is why it is so important for us to make sure that we are constantly being honest about our journey. Yeah. Yeah. Isolation is hard. Mm -hmm. It is difficult. It is challenging. It will push you. It will, it will cause you to consider things that you never thought you would ever have to consider. And then on top of and then on top of that, God, where are you? But Elijah didn't say, God, where are you? He knew where God was. Literally saying, God, just take me now. Come get me. Yeah. Because what else? <laughs> like what what else? And and church. As a pastor and as a child of God, I am trying my best for the rest of my life to normalize these moments when you can just say, okay, I've been pushed to the broom tree. Yeah. So in these few moments, I want to give us some handles because we're going to be traveling through this. So here's where we've been. We've been to, about to sound like Dr. King, we've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> I was about to say, you said it like it's a bad thing. It's yeah. not. It, it depends on the context. But <laughs> we've been to the mountaintop. We've seen victory. But now we have to deal with ourselves and why do I feel defeat? Simply because I don't get to stay up there. Right. Yeah. And if you get my book, Led to the Stream, Refreshing in Life's Valley, you'll learn that the valley is a good thing for you. Because there's no way you can live on a mountain forever. If you live up there all the time, the air is thin. Mm. And it takes too much for you to adjust your whole self to stay up there. And you got to do too much to stay up there. So the valley is important and it's good. 
But when you throw isolation into it, when you throw isolation into it, you have to know how you begin to deal with this better. So here's just some things I want to share to help us deal with it better. Now, next week, we'll deal with it a little bit more because there's more to it. But how do we face isolation after completing a mission or an assignment from God? Here's the first thing. We got to acknowledge the attributes of our assignment. We have to acknowledge the attributes of the assignment. So, for instance, preaching on Sunday is the end product. Before I get up on Sunday, I got to study. I got to read. I have to be, as Dr. Booth would call, a public theologian, which means I got to read the environment. I got to be able to sit with the realities of what's going on in our society. And that's just four elements. We ain't talking about whatever else may come. We ain't talking about if something else happens that shifts the focus or, you know. Sunday morning is the finished product. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see. That's why when people ask me on Sunday, are you ready to preach? They get my standard answer, no. That is my standard answer. And if I'm feeling good, I may say this, I feel like preaching. But it doesn't mean <laughs> that I am ready. <laughs> I am never, ever ready mm. because... I don't know what the end product is going to be. Yeah. I just know that there are multiple attributes and elements to the assignment. Pastoring has multiple elements. Serving in, in um, outreach has multiple attributes. Doing things within the world have multiple attributes. You have to acknowledge all of it. My goal before I close my eyes is that People will no longer live in this world saying that their assignment from God is only one-dimensional. Mm. There's stuff that goes with it. And, and Pastor Mike, because I want people to hear this. I was going to say you have to be open because mm -hmm. you never know. Things can change in a nanosecond, in a New York minute. Right. And you have to be ready for whatever is coming at you. So if you're only one-dimensional, you're going to miss out on a lot. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why when we look at Elijah, if you study the whole matter, we didn't, we didn't do all that. But even in the part that we've read, mm -hmm. he still had to build an altar. He, 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 he made his own trench, right? The only help he got was to send people to get the jars of water. That's the only, and even that required him to what? Assemble the crew to do it and tell them how many times to do it. There are elements and attributes to it. <laughs> Waiting for rain 
he had to listen to God and go seven times to the same spot to see when the sign for rain was going to come. There are attributes to this. Nowhere in the text did he consult anybody about the moves he was making, so he had to be in constant contact with God. Attributes to this thing. So if I'm isolated, there are all, you know, I'm cut off to a certain extent from certain people, from certain mentalities, from certain thoughts. I'm not going to ask your opinion about this because here it is. You can't go with me. Yeah. If God said that I needed to bring you along, you would come along. Yeah. And if you didn't come along, then you would be in disobedience. But if God didn't say for you to come along with me, then I'm not looking for your opinion. And I'm not asking for it. And I ain't going to take it either. That, that's a part of it. Isolation is good in some ways and very difficult in others. Because when you come out, you still got to stand on what you believe God is saying. And how hard is that to stand out on what God is saying and everybody's looking at you thinking you're crazy for doing it the way you're doing it? So... So say more about say more about that that vulnerability. Say like if like what is that? Because you're right. If if you know that you're right, mm -hmm. yeah, you don't need anybody else necessarily to tell you that. But it can feel lonely just sitting out there, all by your onesie. Yes, so sir. like. What is it? How do how do we allow ourselves to be that vulnerable? I'm convinced, and and what um, Mitchell is bringing up is actually point two, which is standing on conviction draws out our vulnerability, or in other words, it draws out our strengths and weaknesses. So. Relationship with God means this, that I am totally exposed to God. And in some instances, I'm exposed to the world. How I function in a moment, you'll see the places where I'm strongest and quite possibly, possibly see some of the places where I'm weakest. And the only way I can walk in that kind of vulnerability is knowing that I got a God that cares about it. And that's difficult too. That, you know, my situation, I was doing something that wasn't medically right by the standards of the people, but it was medically right for me because I had asked God about it and he said, you gotta do this for your safety. So you have to, you know, you gotta be able to have a real conversation with God when you are isolated. Mm -hmm. And then you gotta trust what he's telling you to do, that you can do it no matter what the cost is or who's gonna be behind you or anything like that. And in the end, you'll see that, that he is the one 
that is in charge and will tell you what to do and you just have to listen and we don't listen well. Go ahead. No, go, oh. ahead. go ahead. Okay. So, I mean, and, and here's another thing about, the, about vulnerability. Human beings don't like being vulnerable mm-hmm. by nature. And you know what makes it worse? Too many places in scripture talk about us being vulnerable with one another. Mm. For, for instance, somewhere in the scripture, it talks about confessing your faults one to another. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Wait, wait. But wait. Don't don't wait. put me in for that. I don't no, no, no. I don't No 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 no. Y'all no, need no, no. to know my business but, but, like but, that. But, but watch this. But watch this. But watch this. Here it goes. This is the part that they don't quote after that. Mm. And pray. If I tell you my here's a two dollar word that a lot of older preachers like using in order to sound like they're highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. When if I tell you about my proclivities. Look, my family laughing because they they had heard it a million times. If I come to you and tell you about my proclivities, my hope would be that you would pray not on me because now you know my proclivities and you want to use them against me, but that you pray for me that I rise above said issue. Now, what does that look like in the life of the church if we, and I, and I preached on this during the summer, what does it look like if we actually did that believing that God can release that person from that stronghold? If we could be honest in those spaces mm-hmm. and watch God work in those spaces, here it is, through one another. Right. Through the community that we fostered. My goodness, yeah. community. What a what a what a concept. But if I'm isolated, it's only me and God. And sometimes I gotta look at myself all by myself. And I gotta be able to say, you know what? God, you want to help me with this. And and, so, and and let's just be real. Let's, like I said, we're, we're we're the realest podcast in in Christendom for a reason. But here it is: we do not like looking at ourselves in honest ways, because that means we just might have to make changes, and we might have to grow up. Um, here's a question that just came through. I'm going to read the whole statement. It says, okay, this might not sound right, but this is my question. You say I have to expose myself to God, but with God being my maker, doesn't he know my heart? Yeah, God does. The exposure ain't for God, it's for you. It's, it's for you. It's for me. Yes, God knows, but 
But the other part is, and this is why we have to deal with ourselves. Some of us think we're strong in spots and we really ain't strong at all. Because just because you talk big don't mean you are big. Huh? It's, it's, I remember meeting one of Marissa's um, co-workers at an event, and she met me for the first time. And she said, she said, I'm glad to finally get, I finally get to meet you. I, I follow, follow your church. I've, I've seen you preach. I've heard you preach. And she looked at me, and I was wondering why she was looking at me so hard. She was like, you know what? I thought you were a whole lot taller. And I said, well, I am, but what, what do you mean? And she was like, well, the way that you sound <laughs> and the way that you appear, I thought you'd have been like six, 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 seven because of how you talk and how you walk and how you present yourself. And I was like, well, first of all, thank you. Because that's something I've never, now mind you, I'm, I'm a tall man, I'm a big man, but I've never heard anybody tell me I perceived you to be even bigger because of what was coming out. Hmm. When I look at myself, I don't see myself as a giant. I'm, 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 I'm bringing, it, bringing it in. Mm -hmm. When it's me and God, I look at myself as being so small. But it's a process to get to that point, right? And so, and so, but here's the other piece. So if my vulnerability says, when I look at myself, I don't see myself like other people see me. Mm -hmm. And I say, God, you got to do for me what I can't. If that person saw me as a six foot seven, six foot eight man, by the way that I preach and I teach and I do this and I do that, then that's indication that God met me at a point of need to show, not me, but to show how big God is. You see, you see what I mean? Yeah. But I have to be able in my own self, right, to be able to look at myself and be honest with myself. I don't feel like, CJ may call me Superman. I've said it before. I say it again. No, I'm Clark Kent. But CJ thinks I'm Superman. He sees Superman. I see Clark Kent. But what did but what does God do in order for CJ to see Superman mm -hmm. when his daddy's actually Clark Kent? That means I've been talking to God about me too. So that I don't go out here in the world and try to live up to something that I'm not trying to project because I can't live up to this. So it's like, God, I know where I am, but I need you to help me because this is you. This ain't about me. So that's why when we're standing on who God is, that vulnerability gets drawn out. But here's two more things and we're gone. Another thing that happens it's a, it's, a, it's a statement I've heard over the years. Weariness makes cowards of us all. <laughs> hmm. Weariness makes cowards of us all. It comes from a concept from being coached in sports. You only lose 
you lose when you get tired. If you don't conserve your energy, if you don't deal with your energy, if you don't deal with those things in a proper way, you eventually what? Cower out. You give up easy. You give up quick. You give up after you've given everything that you can. And ladies and gentlemen, when you get tired, I don't care how you think you are, everybody becomes a coward. Not in a negative way, but guess what? Everybody get tired, everybody get worn out, everybody has a bad day, it's gonna happen. And what do we see from Elijah? Rather than saying, God, I just need a restart, he said, God, take my life. Yeah. I, th I think about the inverse of that. I think about the, the flip side where Jesus is in the desert mm -hmm. and Satan comes to him when he's tired because he expects that this is the moment when I can do whatever it is I need to do because he's not going to be worth a penny at this point. <laughs> like, right. And... It's, it's nice to have that example as the antithesis of what we so often see when we don't know our limits, when we don't know how to allow ourselves to rest, when we don't know how to check back in to our source and refuel from that rather than just saying, well, I got to go do this, so let me just pull myself up by my bootstraps and who cares? And, and I think that... Uh, and, and this is Elijah we're talking about. Like, mm -hmm. this ain't just some dude like, right, like it's right. Elijah and uh for for that's that's helpful for me to know that like it's not abnormal to feel completely overwhelmed in certain situations um because I think I think it's easy to just tell yourself well I got God which is true mm -hmm. but like I think you said it earlier it doesn't always feel that way <laughs> Right. And, like, if you're just expecting that, like, it's just always going to be fine and always going to feel fine, that feels like you're putting a lot <laughs> on something that's not actually said. That's right. Um, but I think for Elijah, I just saw it. Like, what else am I supposed to think? You know, like, this grand, you know, I, I was at 450 to one odds, mm -hmm. all of a sudden those odds became one to zero in my favor. Um, and so, like, if, it, if it's not that all the time, I may not know how to exist when the tiredness comes, when the disappointments come, when the no's come, when the mistakes come. And... That's, that personally, that's hard for me because mm -hmm. I think like you're always supposed to be up, and I don't, you know, that that weariness is something that you never take account for because it always pops up when you're not ready for it to. And then it leads to this because sometimes weariness may make us make cowards of us all, but part of that comes from another symptom, which is the last thing that we'll touch and cut it off for tonight. Loneliness can make us runaways. Hmm. Loneliness can make us run away. Because look at what happened. He gets a message from Jezebel. Let it be done to me and more so if you ain't going to die this time tomorrow. Yeah. 
You mean to tell me that after all that I have given and after all that I have done, I'm still public enemy number one? Mm-hmm. And what was his response? Get out of Dodge. And he says what? I'm by myself. Lord, take my life. He ran away from his greatest victory to retreat to a tree in the middle of the wilderness, hoping that God would end it for him. Mm. That's a lonely place to be. And I know that that is a hard place to try to stop. But I think it's an important place to stop because I think that gives us an opportunity to look at this story a little more, to come back next week, to sort of understand how some of this isolation shows up in our own lives, to understand how some of this loneliness plays a role, um, and and learn how each of us, because I know I got plenty of bad habits when it comes to getting into my feelings, getting down into dark places, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I don't know, my, my therapist was talking today about the sacred space of the I don't know. Mm. And being able to talk about what we talked about today and maybe not necessarily walking out of here with a ton of answers, but knowing that we got something that we can wrestle with for the week upcoming you know, and, and to understand not only ourselves, but to understand God better, to understand his word better, and to come back to engage in conversation that allows us to wrestle with it even more. I think that's great. I think that's, I think that's a fun opportunity, to be honest. And so next week, we're going to hit First Kings 19, and we're going to start at verse 5. We're going to start at verse 5. I don't know how far we're going to go yet, but just know <laughs> we're going to start at verse 5. We're not in a rush. We are not in a rush. But I want us to remember as we kind of look through, I'll say this. Next week and possibly the week after, we'll be definitely in 19 from verse 5 to the end of the chapter. I'll say that much. I don't know where we land next week completely yet but we have to deal with these realities because if we don't deal with ourselves first then we cannot embrace how God transitions us from what we feel in that moment into how God addresses us in those low places because we gotta we gotta know that too I want us to be honest with ourselves, but eventually know how God treats us and deals with us in those low places. All right? Amen. Amen. So before we go, I just want to share this with y'all. It's been It was shared Sunday, but I want to share it with y'all again because if you didn't get to hear it, um, this podcast is now officially seven episodes old. Just seven. We ain't not 700, not seven, just seven episodes in. 
and we have already been getting some level of recognition. So we just received um, from West Ohio, from Go Grants, we received a Go Grant for this podcast for $2,000. Excited folk are believing in what we're trying to do. That's allowing us, because we were awarded this Go Grant, we will be attending in February uh, the Bishop's Go Awards which means that we get to dress up and look like somebody among a bunch of people. Just think of the Emmys, but on a religious level, hallelujah to the lamb, I guess. And we get to look good and all that kind of stuff. I guess, Mitchell, you're going to have to get a haircut. I got to get a haircut. Uh. And we're going to go in there looking good and stuff like that. <laughs> but we are basically an award-nominated podcast. Ain't that so? Oh, man. Already seven episodes in. That's awesome. <laughs> So thank you for supporting us so far, and thank you for supporting what this um Thank you for making this unique. Yes. Thank you for making this different than a lot of times how we get to engage with Scripture. So, like, keep coming with stuff. Keep coming with questions. Uh, make us talk less. So I think I think we're, we're just excited to see where this continues to go. Absolutely. So keep lifting us in prayer. Um, Sunday, as always, we come back. We finally finish our NIL series this Sunday, first Sunday. First Sunday of December. We have made it to the end. Mm. And we come together for communion. We come together to serve God together on first Sunday as we finish our NIL series and we get ready to enter into the season of Advent. I'm excited about what God has been doing and excited about what God is continuing to do. So be with us at 10 a.m., online and in person for worship here at Clare United Methodist Church. When are y'all hanging your greens? Y'all hang the greens? <clears throat> um soon. Soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> and if you are with us in person on Sunday, we will be having our ministry um fair after worship. So you see all the different things that are happening here at Clare to find ways that you can be more involved in this space and in this ministry. So please come on out this Sunday, 10 a.m. Stick around for the ministry fair. It will bless your life, and we pray that you will be able to be a blessing to this ministry. Um, Mitchell, will you close us out in prayer tonight? Of course. Dear God, we come to you today again just thanking you, always thanking you for the opportunity to to just gather in your name, to gather with your people, to to gather just in community, um, and just see how you show up, Lord, and and be challenged to move from those high places to those low places, and to to see you in the midst of all of it, and to just work in tandem with you to to just keep moving forward, Lord. So be with us as we do that whether that's in an organizational sense through Claire or whether that's in our individual lives or whatever it may be, Lord, just be with us as we continue to try to, to make your kingdom and your name known throughout this world. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good evening. We will see you Sunday at 10 a.m. and then back here next Wednesday, 630 for the Safe House podcast. God bless you. Safe house. <laughs>